Hi everyone, welcome back to Understand the Bible and in today's episode we're coming to the end of Judges. We're thinking about Judges chapter 17 and 18 which is where things start to get a bit weird where things start to get a little bit weird and this is actually the exact kind of passage I think in the Bible in the Old Testament that people struggle with and this is one of the exact reasons why I wanted to do a series like this in helping people to understand what we make of a, an episode like this in the book of Judges. What, what is going on here? Now once again this is quite a long chunk actually, Judges a whole chapter 17 and 18 and um, so it, I think it would help if you uh, read or listened to the passage in advance because I'm going to be making reference to uh, to bits of it as we go through but I'm really not going to go through the whole the whole thing. So um, I'll put the link in the description if you expand that click on the uh, click on the link to Bible Gateway you can read it or you can have it read to you and it should only take a, a few minutes but I think it might help just to make a bit of sense of this. So uh, Judges chapter 17 and 18 now, have you ever had anyone say to you that they're spiritual but not religious? It seems to be quite a, a common thing nowadays, spiritual but not religious. Now, Pink, as in the, the singer from America, not the colour. Uh, Pink, she once said, I love Native American spirituality and paganism, and I've studied Buddhism. I steer clear of organised religion and go straight to spirituality. Now, I, I steer clear of organised religion and I go straight to spirituality. I think that's something which a lot of people, perhaps a lot of the younger generation perhaps, would, would identify with, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit suspicious of the church, I'm a bit suspicious of these kind of organised religions, so to speak, but I don't want to lose the spiritual aspect of my life, so I'm going to ditch the, the organised aspect of it and just go straight for the, the spirituality. That's, I think, probably the one, the one extreme, if you like, saying I'm spiritual but not religious. The other side of things, you get people who are sort of ultra-religious and people who are all about the kind of religious aspects. And it doesn't even have to be in terms of a, a you know, spiritual religion as well. You know, you can do anything religiously, superstition, um, or, you know, there are people who just like their rituals, who do things the same way over and over, the same kind of way. You know, it's basically all about the ritual and doing things in a religious way in order to try and get the, the life, the blessing that you want. So I think those are the two extremes, you know, the spiritual but not religious, or the, perhaps the religious but not spiritual on the other. Well, what does, what does Judges 17 and 18 have to say to us about that? And this is what... Um, this is what I think it's about. So we start out reading this this story about a man called Micah, and Micah it's it's a name which means who is like Yahweh, who is like the Lord. Uh, Yahweh is like the personal name for God as He reveals Himself, um, but we won't go into that now. Uh, but Micah he's caught stealing, or well he's not actually caught. He owns up to it to uh, to his mother, but he steals some silver. Uh, again, you know, he's got a lovely name, but he doesn't really uh, live up to it at the moment, uh, like it, it happens so often in Judges. And so he he owns up to stealing, and his mother said, Ah, oh, the Lord bless you, my son, which doesn't seem like a very normal reaction to, you know, someone having told you that they stole from you, but, but there we go. Um, so, but she says something a bit strange. She says, uh, 
I'm going to uh, solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver and I'll give it back to you. So she gave him the silver in order to make what is basically an idol. And as you may recall from the Ten Commandments, the Israelites were forbidden from making idols. But just in case, just in case it wasn't clear, this is what it says in the law in the in the book of Deuteronomy, which at, at this point in the history of, of Israel would have been fairly recent uh, memory. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 15, where it says, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. So anyone who, who did such a thing, the Lord declared to be cursed, even though his mother said, the Lord bless you. Actually, she was invoking, in a sense, the Lord's curse. There's an irony there. Um, and then it just gets weirder. So they make this idol, and then uh, and Micah had a shrine, and then this young Levite comes and he's looking for, for a place to stay. And he comes to Micah's house and he ends up becoming Micah's personal priest. He offers to, uh, for him to come and live with them and to pay him and to be his personal priest. Very, um, again, not something that he should have done, as if that wasn't, wasn't clear. But a very weird, uh, weird thing. And then we come to this kind of um, verse which is repeated actually in, in uh, chapter 17 verse 6 and then again in, uh, in chapter 18 verse 1. In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And I think that is supposed to be that the key verse, it's repeated actually four times in these last few chapters of Judges, that's supposed to be the key thing which unlocks what is going on. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what they saw fit in, in their own eyes. And this is, that's the, the key message of the last part of Judges, that every, it's just like anarchy. Everyone is doing what seems right to them, but there's no one to kind of tell them what is right and wrong. I think the implication of this is that is, if Israel had a king, had a good king, then the king would sort things out and the king would protect the, the worship, protect the right worship of God. The king would, um, you know, lead people in, in the right ways and rather than just this kind of anarchy which is going on where everyone is just doing whatever seems good to them. You know, the law is not being enforced and, uh, and so on. It's chaos. And so, um, so that's what's going on. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of what happens. Like I said, um, have a read or listen to it if you haven't already. But I'm just going to draw out some of the marks of, of what distinguishes false religion, because this is what's happening with, with Micah. It's, it's gone from being true religion, which God has given, to being false religion. So what distinguishes false religion? What does it look like? What, what marks does it have? And I've got, uh, I've got five marks here of, of false religion. The first thing is that it is ritualistic. It's based on the ritual rather than on, on kind of true um, kind of a love for, for God. This is what, for example, Micah says in verse 13. Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. So he says, well, I've got my right priest in place. Um, therefore, God's going to bless me. He's thinking that the external 
kind of action or having the, the right kind of, um, I don't know, having the right block in place of, of her having this priest there is going to be the thing which leads to God's blessing. And it's so easy to think that, you know, if I pray in this way or if I do this good deed or if I do that, then God will bless me. But that's that's not how it works in the Bible. We know that, especially from uh, from the New Testament. And you know, we can't please God with with empty worship. And this is a message which we get all the way through the Bible. You know, for example, I mean, this is I could pick many, many examples, but the book of Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah chapter 29 and verse uh, verse 13, where he says, um, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So what Isaiah is saying and what the Lord says through Isaiah is that the people of Israel, they were it looked like they were worshipping God, but their hearts were far away. And what God wants is not our actions, first and foremost, but our hearts. You know, God wants our love and wants our actions to flow from our love for him, not thinking that we can just please him by doing the actions, regardless of whether we, we have the love. And, and that's what, what Micah, I think, was, was thinking at the time, that he, he just did the actions, got the right priest in place, did this, that and the other, had an idol, and it will please God. But actually, God says, no, no, the heart pleases me. And we know that Micah's heart was not in the right place. Otherwise, he would have listened to what God wanted. The second thing is that false religion is self-centred. And we see this in, for example, in uh, chapter 18, verse 1. It says, in those days, the tribe of the Danites were seeking a place of their own where they might settle because they had not yet come into an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. Well, it does say, actually, if you look back in, in Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter uh, 19, verse 40, that the, the Danites, the tribe of Dan, had got an inheritance in Israel. So why were, were they still looking? Was it not enough for them? Did they, did they think it was not good enough? Were they looking for more? I think quite possibly that they were, they were looking for more. Um, but that's the thing. They weren't content with what God had given to them. They weren't content with their inheritance. They wanted to take it for themselves. You know, they thought they had a better idea of what they wanted and needed than God did. And so they went looking for it in their own way rather than looking for it in, in God's way, in, in the right way and, and seeking God's, God's uh, blessing. And that's how false religion works, you know, is that we can't get what we want through, um, through, from God now, if we want something, we can't get it from God. We'll look for other gods that will give it. And so often I see this, you know, people want something and they'll seek a God who will validate them in what they want rather than seeking to, to submit ourselves to what God wants to give us. A very negative picture of God and, and of what God wants to do and, and God, how God wants to bless us and seek the best for us. Um, so uh, false religion is self-centred. Thirdly, it's disobedient. And we see this in the story of the, of the Danites. The, the, the chapter 18 makes very clear that the people who they, um, the, the city that they attack is a peace-loving people. You know, there's, they don't want war. They're just innocent kind of peace-loving people. 
and the Danites just attack them and slaughter them and take their city. And you think, how, how wrong is that, that, that they do it? And yet it just it really brings out that the wrongness of what they do, that these people were innocent and that they had no desire for war. And the Danites just came in and, and slaughtered them mercilessly. And this is, again, false religion. It, it leads to, to conflict and it leads to violence because it, it wants what it, it doesn't have. You know, it's covetous. It's, it wants what it doesn't have. And so um, there's warring, there's... Um, you know, to, to get it. And it seeks to, it's like, um, I was thinking about this, it's like a, an ironic kind of parody of the journey into the promised land. You know, how God led the people of Israel into the promised land, whereas the Danites decide that they, the promised land is not good enough for them, so they'll seek another God to, uh, to lead them into another promised land, which is, um, well, it's deep levels of irony going on there. Um, but that's the thing, it's, it's false religion seeks to create paradise for itself rather than seeking God and seeking what he wants to give. The fourth thing is that false religion is, is stupid. It's, it's foolish. You look at what, uh, look at, for example, chapter 18, verse 24. And Micah, um, the, the Danites, took the, the God, uh, the sort of um, the idol away from, um, from Micah and took his priest away. And, and he says, you took the gods I made and my priest and went away. What else do I have? So you think, how on earth can a god be made and a god be taken away? It just It doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, how can you make a god? How can you take a god? You can't. You know, that, that's, that's utterly foolish and ludicrous even to think that that, that will be possible. And again, I think what Micah says just exposes the folly of this false religion because we can't, however much we may we may want uh, other other things, that gods cannot just be created and, and made to serve us. You know that there is a God, and that we need to to orient our lives around Him rather than seeking to to make gods and fashion them who will you know we think be give us what we want. Uh, it's absolutely, it's foolish when you think about it. And finally, fifthly and finally, false religion is is tragic. Like we just had in that verse, you know, Micah, he says, well, what else do I have? You know, he's left with nothing. His, gods, uh, his God was taken away from him and he was left with nothing. And I think that's just a tragic picture of what foolish, um, what kind of um, false religion does. It leaves us with nothing. Because uh, there's a, a lovely quote I like, you know, he who has God and has, has nothing has as, uh, has as much as he who has God and has everything else. You know, that when we, when we belong to God, it's like everything else comes in with it. But when we trust in false gods, they can be taken away and, and then we, we lose everything. So, so we think. And even worse than that, you know, think about the Danites, you know, slaughtering these innocent people and... Um, particularly the, uh, I think this is the punchline in this chapter, chapter um, 18, verse 30. The Danites set up for themselves the, the idol and Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Moses and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan. So I think even Moses, the man of God, who led them in uh, up to the promised land, even Moses, his grandson, was now the priest for these people. 
think how quickly things turn, how quickly they turn. And I think this is supposed to be shocking to us. You know, it's a tragedy that within two generations, you know, Moses's grandson could then be um, working in, as, as a priest for the, for the Danites. Such a, a tragedy. And, you know, so many terrible things kind of happen. And this is, this is the tragedy of false religion. So what can we learn from this? Those were uh, the marks of, of false religion. So what can we learn? What can we take away from this? Well, I think the first thing is to remember the second commandment is given for a reason. So you recall the, the first commandment is to have no gods before God. Um, the second commandment is not to make any idols. So that second commandment is given for a reason. You know, I think the first two go together, first two commandments, but the second commandment is given, which is that we need to be, be careful to worship God in his way. You know, because God has given us ways to worship him. We don't get to pick and choose which ways that we worship him, but rather we want to, to obey God and listen to him in the ways that he wants us to worship him. So that's really important. We need to beware syncretism now now syncretism is basically a kind of like we started with with pink you know a pick and mix of all different religions uh, and it's easy to do this you know because there's so much of it around you know there are so many religious beliefs floating around both kind of secular and um kind of religious if you like um there are so many kind of beliefs floating around it's easy to kind of pick up a bit of this you know, so to be to be Christian kind of most days, but also have superstitious beliefs or, you know, to kind of be. And what this is saying is that, no, you have to. It's either God or or nothing. You know, you can't have a little bit of God and a little bit of superstition or a little bit of Buddhism or, or something. You know, you have it has to be Jesus or nothing. That is the, the long and the short of it. And we have to really be careful to keep, to work, to keep pure and to make sure we are listening to God in how he wants to be worshipped and in, uh, make, you know, kind of fixing our eyes on what God wants rather than all these different and conflicting messages from around the world. So, you know, we have to be careful when we watch the TV or when we look at social media or, or you know, the messages that we're getting. Are they good messages? Are they Christian messages? Now, I'm not saying that turn it off, but rather we need to be discerning when we when we look at those things or in the church. You know that there are unfortunately, even in the church, there are a lot of different uh, messages coming in. You know, some people say we need to um, have a rosary to pray and, you know, we need to be really careful and think about what the Bible says about about these things rather than just accepting everything kind of blindly. You know, we need to be careful who you listen to. Is someone teaching something which is in accordance with the Bible? And we need to keep our brain switched on uh, and make sure that we're not being taught wrongly, even in the church. And, you know, in our own hearts, I think that the temptation is constant. You know, we need to be suspicious, I think, of our own desires and say, well, am I really wanting such and such a thing? because it's what God wants for me, or is it actually just my own desire leading me astray? This isn't to say that all our, our desires are all wrong, but, but rather we need to be discerning and careful in, in what kind of desires that we are, um, you know, and take them all to God. 
you know, take all of our, our desires to God rather than doing what the Danites did and just thinking we want that, so we're just going to go ahead and get it. We need to take all of our desires to God and allow him to, to give them uh, and to kind of fulfill them in his way, in his timing, which, which he will if we take them uh, to him and God will, will work in us. So um, what's the solution? Now, if I said, well, beware, well, how do we beware? How do we look out? And I think that the biggest thing is that we need to, we need to be really rooted in the Bible. We need to be reading it every day. We need to be understanding more of it. I think, you know, things like this podcast, like I said, this podcast is not a substitute for church, but it is, I hope, a good way sort of midweek or whenever in your convenience of understanding a bit more about the Bible. But things like this are good as well. You know, just helping us to think biblically, helping us to, to kind of for that the Bible to really soak in and to really make a difference in how we think in our lives so that we're not led astray by all of these um, different ideas. And we need to be praying as well. You know, we need to be asking God to help us, not just kind of reading the Bible, but asking God to help us understand, asking God to, to teach us. And um, actually, I mean, these videos, I, I haven't kind of prayed uh, today in these videos that's not because I don't think praying is important um, and I hope that you do pray on your own and, and you kind of use this as a, you know, to, to pray it in um, at, a, a, at a later date. But let me, um, I, I often recommend reading the Psalms to people. I love to, to read the Psalms and reading a Psalm every day. I think if everyone read a Psalm every day, it would, you know, over time it would transform our spiritual lives. I do try to read a Psalm um, each day in the mornings. And this is what uh, it says in Psalm 25. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my saviour and my hope is in you all day long. That's the thing. We need to be seeking God, asking him, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Help me to worship you in the way that, that you want me to. Help me to worship you and live my life in a way which honours and glorifies you. Show me through your word. And, and lead me in the right ways. And when we do that and kind of humble ourselves and submit ourselves to God, then he will honour and then he will lead us and then he will help us. Now, these are the kind of prayers that God loves to answer. These are the kind of prayers that God delights to answer when we humble ourselves and ask God to teach us and help us. So I hope that you found this thinking about false religion helpful. Um, I am going to finish with a prayer. I've decided that I'm going to finish with a prayer because um, I've just, with what I've just been saying, I think that's important. So let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would show us your ways, teach us your paths and help us to live in a way which pleases you and to worship you in the, the way that you want us to. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, thank you very much for watching this video. Please do click the like button uh, if you're on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, please do click on the subscribe button if you want to um, uh, see more videos like this. Um, and please do, if you're listening on the podcast, then uh, please, if you can, leave me uh, a rating and if, if you can even stretch to that a review as that would just really helps other people to find this, this podcast as well. Um, so thank you very much for watching everyone and I hope to see you again for another one of these very soon. God bless.